0: Coming up, how to integrate Halloween into any attraction. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Attraction Network podcast, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything we do are in the show notes. Today, Scott Swenson will discuss how to integrate Halloween into attractions of all sizes and shapes. Scott Swenson is my co-host for Green Tagged on Mondays, and he's also been doing haunted attraction work for over 30 years with haunts from theme parks down to independent nonprofits. For haunters, this episode is like a simple business plan that you can take to an attraction and find a good partner. For attractions, listen to these ideas about how you can get in on the fall fun without compromising your brand. This episode is from one of our partner stations, A Scott in the Dark, hosted by Scott Swenson, of course. And here's Scott. Welcome to the dark.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the dark. Yes, I know it's been a while. Uh, it's, it's been a busy time. It is the busy season. But, um, as you all know, whenever I become inspired or get inspired by some of the work that I'm doing and I have the time to record a new episode, I do. I mean, it's, it's in the name periodic podcasts for haunters because I'm just not good at keeping up with, uh, with a regular schedule. With the exception of Green Tag Theme Park in 30, which, you know, Philip kind of keeps me in line there. But uh if you haven't, if you haven't had a chance to actually uh check out Green Tag, please do. It's an awful lot of fun, but that's a whole nother show. This show is a Scott in the Dark. And I'm Scott Swenson with Scott Swenson Creative Development. And um, in this episode, so I realized that. This episode may not necessarily be for my standard listeners, because this may not apply to you directly, but I will make sure that it applies to you indirectly. However, if you find the information in here helpful for somebody that you know, or someone in a parallel industry, please share this with them so that they can um listen and then become avid listeners like you, so that everyone can, uh, can tune into a Scott in the Dark whenever they feel like it or whenever I put a new one out. So uh, this particular show is kind of based on, um, a lot of the, the appearances and the the talks that I'm going to be doing in the not too distant future. And it's, it's on bringing Halloween or bringing a Halloween event or, or feeling or content to sort of non-traditional spaces. So, you know, for those of you who have a haunt or for those of you who are, uh, Haunters, whether it's year round or seasonal, you're focused. You get it. You're focused on a haunt, and that is your main business. This is focused on things that aren't necessarily considered, quote unquote, traditional haunt spaces. And for those of you watching the video, yes, I had to do air quotes with my fingers. Uh so the idea here is to talk about things or talk about places that might not necessarily um be doing a haunted attraction right now, and might not necessarily even think they need to or should but can, if they choose to, and and perhaps generate a little bit of seasonal revenue while they're at it. And, um, I mean, if you think about it, there was a time when theme parks were not considered traditional places to do haunted attractions. There were haunted attractions and there were theme parks. And then, you know, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, people started, um, our theme park started to, to say, Hey, you know what, we can, we can do Halloween. And it, you know, obviously in some cases it started with just throwing up some cobwebs and going, Ooh, look how scary we are. Um, but then, you know, now they're, they're full in between universal and, um, the sea world parks and entertainment parks, you know, um, Bush garden, sea world, those parks, as well as the Carowinds parks, and the, I mean all of them, all of them, the 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 Palace Entertainment, all of them do Halloween of some sort, and they've recognized it's a great way to um, generate seasonal revenue, as well as bring guests back to the park, as well as reinforce or build their brand loyalty in the form of pass holders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. What we now consider or what many people consider to be the, the the standard fare for large Halloween events outside of independently owned haunts, the theme park, was not always the case. So when I was when I was little, if you thought of a theme park doing a Halloween event, it was like, oh, that's crazy. No one's going to go to a theme park on, for a Halloween event. It, we want to go out and trick or treat or we want to go get candy. And unless they're doing that we're not going to be there. Um and then grown were like we're not going to go to a theme park, we're going to hold our own Halloween parties, which is still very popular. And remember that because it may tie into something that I'm going to talk about a little bit later. So, um don't think of it as gosh, this is so groundbreaking to put a Halloween event in a non-traditional space. Um because it it started happening with theme parks, it continues to happen with the next group that I'm going to talk about, um and that is zoos, museums, aquariums, that sort of thing. Um it is becoming more and more popular and I think that in many many cases it, the these kinds of of um, these kinds of attractions in some cases, not in all, but in some cases are a little timid as far as how far they can go. Now I'm not saying timid in the way of making it bloody or gory or anything like that. What I'm saying is Timid in the fact that they're going all in, uh, as far as this is a full blown attraction, and it can still be family friendly, but full blown. And based on um, based on what I'm seeing, both uh, externally and the and the projects that I'm working on, if you work for a museum or a zoo or a uh, an aquarium, um, and you're not doing a Halloween event. You're starting to be left behind. More and more people are doing Halloween events, and it's not just throwing cobwebs up on your animal skeletons and calling it an event. It's creating new content. It's creating new content that is on brand for you. Um, and And I think it's important to recognize because all of these organizations that I just mentioned, um, zoos, museums, aquariums, are all educationally based attractions. And the first thing I want to address is the, well, we'll call it the elephant in the room. Um, there are still people, there are still organizations that believe entertainment is the enemy of education. And I am here to tell you that that is incredibly short-sighted. Um, I'm not going to say, well, no, I am going to say it's wrong. It's not right. Uh, entertainment is not the enemy of education. And in fact, Things had been going that route for many, many years until a uh, ridiculous movie came out and caused a great stir um, with a company that I used to work for. Um, When Blackfish came out, it made everybody tense up, get nervous about um, blurring the lines between education and entertainment. And, And it was not that was not the intent of the movie. But it was certainly one of the tactics that they used to say that if something is entertaining, it's clearly not educational. Well, that is malarkey Um, to me, in my opinion. And there have been study after study after study that show this, too. If people are having fun, they remember things longer. If you can learn or teach when you when neither the the student nor the teacher know that uh, they're being taught or that they are teaching, uh, it makes it a far better experience and a much longer lasting one. So if you think that entertainment is the opposite or the enemy of education, you need to get over that. It is another crayon in the box. It's another way to tell the stories that will make people remember the important scientific facts that uh, that you're trying to get across and you can be anywhere you like on that on that barometer to say you know we I, I, for example, I have clients who prefer that we not use the terminology shows, but rather presentations, uh, which, you know, I totally understand if that's on brand for them, that's that's 100% cool. Um, but the idea of incorporating something that is scripted, that has lighting and audio effects, that tells a story, that utilizes video to convey that story, uh, these are all very impactful tools when, uh, trying to educate and I'll go even one step further. And that is if you find ways to educate during the, the Halloween season or the Christmas season or any other seasonal, um, time where events happen, uh, if you can find that time and you can find those ways to create, uh, Halloween content, let's stick with Halloween. Otherwise we'll get waylaid into any other season that we, we want to chase down that rabbit hole. Uh, but I think if you can if you can find content that works for you, you can find content that will work for you within the Halloween season. Um, and, and Halloween, doing a Halloween event can be on brand for your museum, your zoo, your aquarium. It can be on brand. Uh, it just takes a little bit more creativity. And and it's not just saying, you know what, we're going to do an elephant enrichment where we um, put. Giant pumpkins out and let the elephant smash them, which by the way is very cool. Um, I have, I have two different clients that do that actually. Very, very cool. The Halloween season, but it can be so much more than that. And the reason it should be so much more than that is keep in mind, you are in competition with all the things that we mentioned before. You're in competition with the theme parks for the time. You're in competition with trick or treating or trunk or treating or whatever trick or treating has evolved into in this strange world that we live in now. Um, you're, you're competing with. Halloween parties. So you've got to find something unique that's more than just let's watch an elephant step on a pumpkin, which can definitely be a part of it. Or let's just uh, let's just throw some let's run to the the drugstore, the spirit store and grab some some uh, cobwebs and put them over our our skeleton artifacts and call it a Halloween event. Um, Incorporate things that only you can do. And, and again, that's going to be different for everybody listening. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to chase that one too much further, but I just think it's important to recognize that, um, it can 100% be on brand based on what you have in your collection, based on, you know, if you're a zoo, talk about spooky animals or talk about skeletons or talk about insects or make it about spiders or make it about a different animal, uh, a different, different animal ambassador each year. So you have an ongoing. Uh, Narrative to tell. Uh, One of my clients is Zoo Tampa, and their icon um, has—I don't—I won't really call it a familiar, but has an animal associated with it for every year. But it's a different animal for each year. So they just announced the new one for 2022, um, which is the the new icon character, human character, is the Swamp Witch who grew up in the swamp, and her animal ambassador that is associated with her, of course, is an alligator. And this ties directly into the new Florida Walkway area, which they just opened, and has alligators in it. So it's there's a, there's always a way to tie the the fantasy, and no, that's not a dirty word. Let me finish the fantasy of Halloween to the fact of your zoo or aquarium or museum. So so please recognize that. And you're probably thinking, well, but why? Why should we do that? We've already got a great product. I agree. In many, many cases, every zoo, every museum I walk into already has a killer product up front that is very educational. However, by doing seasonal events and especially Halloween events, because they are, I think, becoming the new normal. Um, but with Halloween events, it does, it does a couple of things. It increases brand loyalty of your members because it gives them some other reason to come to your attraction it gives them another reason to show up in the fall and experience what you have to offer and it gives them new things that can only be offered it kind of lights a fuse you know it gives them uh, things that can only be offered during the halloween season which according to theme park starts in august but uh started just today i don't know um but it's 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 getting to be that crazy because it is that impactful uh, you know, I, I promise you that theme parks would not continue to creep the opening of their Halloween event earlier and earlier and earlier if it weren't profitable. And it is. So if you are a, a, an educational facility and you are, um, you would like to continue to, to reinforce your membership, um, a Halloween event is a great way to do it. Another thing it does is it invites new guests to see what product you have to offer. Um, because if you just keep saying, yes, we're a zoo and we have, uh, these animals and you keep saying it over and over again, people are like, okay, I don't want to see those animals or I've already seen those animals or, or great. I can see those animals anywhere or whatever. But if you offer them something that they can only see for a short period of time, it will drag them through the turnstiles. Um, not physically, of course, but it will drag them into, the, it will, it will bring them to your zoo or your aquarium or your uh, museum. And it, once, once you get them in there, they can see, Oh, this is really cool. And I never thought about this animal. And oh, is that what a red panda looks like? You know, so keep those, keep those things in mind. It serves the Halloween event serves two very, very important purposes other than just entertaining guests. And that is it reinforces the brand and reinforces the commitment. Uh, brand loyalty and reinforces the commitment of your membership. And it invites new people into your uh, your facility so that they can see it for the very first time and hopefully come back on a non-seasonal uh, event or a non-Halloween time just to really dive in and, and experience all that your attraction has to offer. Not to mention, it generates revenue. Halloween is one of those things that can be done at night. So you can have your day product and your night product. And it's like getting two days in one. Uh, it also gives you the opportunity to sell specific merchandise, specific culinary. Um, you can even, depending on what your your scope is, uh, you can add uh, alcohol and cocktails to the after evening um, event. And by the way, you can do that even if it's family friendly. Uh, I can't tell you how many families I see who will go on a moms and dads will take their kids on a wine date. And while the kids are having a great time walking around, moms and dads are sitting watching them having a, a, a frosty cocktail or a glass of wine. So um, but just recognize that it is not against your educational goals to create a Halloween event. It can be another tool to reinforce them. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you an example of something that I worked on in the past, and that was at the Franklin Institute. Uh, I worked on the Franklin Institute project with BMO Productions, and uh, they created they they had an event, um, which was called uh, Franklin Frights, and it and they needed some additional content, so we created for them and built for them um, a uh, Doctor Franklinstein and the Frankenstein creation. And the Frankenstein creation was a giant uh, pumpkin sculpture of a two story tall robot from the future. And it gave us the opportunity to talk in that presentation, in that show, all about the scientific method and how, you know, uh, how through trial and error and how you have constants and uh, constants uh, and you test. Theories against those constants. It was also an, a way to talk about um, artificial intelligence and learning, uh, computer learning, a, in a a way that younger children could understand and were engaged with, uh, because the Frankenstein creation did actually light up and talk, and uh, but it was being quote unquote programmed to uh, to to better understand. So it was purely Halloween. It was. Uh, a fantasy story that reinforced factual content concepts. And I think that's really important to recognize. You can, you can go ahead and use fantasy characters to reinforce things that are real. Now I know there are those people out there who will ask the question, well, why don't we just make them factual? Because for a certain age demographic and for a, um, for a certain mindset if you just keep it factual, you may not get them intrigued enough to actually want to learn more. You may spit and parrot out the information, but they may not spit it out and parrot it back. Um, it kind of goes to, to something that has become very, very important in almost everything I do now, and that is what role does the guest play in the experience? Uh, since COVID, more and more people want things to do, not things to look at. And this is especially true with um, younger children and tweens. They're to the point now where I would, I don't want to go and walk through and look at stuff. I don't want to see things behind glass cases. I want to do stuff. I want to be engaged and I want to have mastery and control over the situation. Um, and I think that Halloween is a perfect way to do that because you can incorporate, you know, all of the, the, Traditional and even non-traditional elements of Halloween, you know, if you don't want to talk about Halloween at all and you want to do skeleton fest and make, you know, focus on all of your um, skeletal remains collection, if you happen to be a museum, if you want to do, you know, dinoween and do a, a, a dinosaur bone Halloween event, great, great. But what it does is it reframes the same factual content. It's a way to reutilize your assets in a new seasonal way that accomplishes all the things we've already talked about, uh, reinforcing, uh, brand loyalty, um, continuing to bring new faces in and generating additional revenue. But you know, I, I will be honest. Um, I-, I, when I first started this or started putting together the notes for this podcast, I was thinking that, um, Zoos, museums, and aquariums is really what I wanted to target. And I actually had them broken out in my original outline. Yes, believe it or not, I do actually put together an outline for these shows, but I had them, I had them broken out as separate, uh, separate entities. And then I realized it's all the same stuff. So I kind of lumped them all together. And as I did that, I realized they're not the only, uh, organizations or, or attractions that can benefit from adding Halloween content. And I just, I don't just mean Halloween decorations and changing to spooky music. That's a great start. Um, Then add lighting and some characters and some additional elements. And you've got some really cool stuff, but like, let's, for example, look at retail and, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about the large chain retail stores, excuse me. Um, The large chain retail stores are uh, probably going to be tied in corporately as to what they can and can't do. Um, I will say where I started to see this first, believe it or not, was bookstores because they started to incorporate uh, spooky story nights and they started to incorporate, um, uh, you know, st- story reading and book signings by spooky authors and that sort of thing. So I thought that was really cool. But that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as I can see um, it. it and and it shouldn't just be it shouldn't just be well let's make sure we have plenty of of halloween merchandise cuz that you know i mean let's be honest that's this is this is being recorded uh near the end of august of of 2022 and we all know that the halloween stuff is already out there the spirit stores are already open um the halloween uh, well spirit stores is what they are in tampa um but you know those those seasonal halloween stores are already open um so it's not just the merchandise it is the elements and the reasons that people want to buy the merchandise okay uh it's it's something that will will create a memory or or pull them in to your store uh so that you can sell them the halloween merchandise you know I, i always say offer offer guests a reason offer customers a reason to come to your store and not just to come shopping to come to your store um retailtainment is is getting huge. You know, retailtainment in general. Uh there are more because again, so many people are shopping online now. That's just a given. You know, Amazon Amazon doesn't have to do any sort of of Halloween seasonal experiences. They do some, believe it or not. They do them they do them online and you get to you get to see them. But they don't they don't have to draw people in cuz the the store for Amazon is wherever you happen to be with your laptop or your phone or your tablet. But uh, brick and mortar stores, y- y- you need to bring people in. And this is happening more and more and more. Um, with Halloween, this started, you know, a gazillion years ago when, uh, malls started to do trick or treating. So it's not, it's not new. It was a way to get people to the malls, um, families with children to the malls. But that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg because that can really only happen one night unless you want to go through a huge candy budget, which I'm not sure is going to, is going to work for you. Um, but one of the things that you you might want to consider is character appearances, you know, and and this is something that I think are are I, I think is really, really interesting because character appearances can be anything from uh, stock characters that you can rent the costumes. There are companies that that also provide the talent to to fill them. And and by the way, if you are going to use a stock character costume don't just throw somebody in it who's going to stand there and wave and think that the costume's going to do it all it doesn't you have to have someone who can bring the costume to life all right so uh don't just you know, throw your your uh, part-time employee in there because they were late and you're punishing them um make sure that it's something that is is viable and interesting uh the other thing that i think is is unique with character appearances is maybe you can work with a local haunted attraction maybe you can work with a uh another attraction that's already doing Halloween into a cross promotion so that uh, XYZ haunted house in your town. Uh, it's an independent haunted attraction. XYZ haunted house in your town uh, will provide you with three characters to come out and hang out at your store for the afternoon. You can promote the fact that they're going to be there. They can promote the fact that they're going to be there and it it helps both of you. It actually brings people into your store and it helps promote their haunted attraction. So that's kind of a win-win and costs very, very little money but gives you sort of dips your toe into the world of retailtainment for Halloween. Uh, the other thing that I think is really interesting is try to find um, ghost stories that tie to the merchandise you actually have in your store. Uh, and I think this can be done for just about anybody. It will take some creativity. Uh, it will take somebody to generate it, write it, put it together for you um but or if you've got somebody on your staff maybe you can do it yourself that'd be great but find stories that actually incorporate things that you sell in your store so that you can use the story as a way to entertain and market at the same time um the the adjacent the adjacent uh, business to retail to me is is always restaurant um if you've got a, a restaurant a privately owned restaurant uh you can certainly you can certainly do like a, a a mystery dinner, a specific night. If you've got a separate if you've got a separate room, if you've got a banquet room, all the better. That way, it doesn't have to impact your 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 daily experience. Um, incorporate, incorporate strolling entertainment uh, that is Halloween themed. But let me caution you. In my opinion, people have gotten past the point of, oh, we're just going to hire some kid to make balloon animals at the, at the restaurant first of all they get in the way and it becomes a mess secondly people just really aren't that interested and thirdly they all feel like oh my gosh okay don't come over here we'll have to tip you and i don't want to i don't want to have to tip you because you make a balloon so here's my suggestion create entertainment that helps tell a story yes it's going to cost you a little bit yes you're going to but what you you can also use it for promotion and it is great social media fodder it is great social media fodder over the Halloween season. So, you know, uh, part of the Vault of Souls, um, the event that I do here in Tampa is it all takes place during a cocktail party. And I uh, eat as years go by, I find that I'm spending even, I, I find I'm spending more and more on the entertainment that goes into the cocktail party, which is their first impression, as I am the actual haunt experience because people like to be surrounded by cool stuff that is all working together. To tell a story, and these are characters that interact and engage with the guests. These are characters that are spirits and don't even know the guests are there. Um, these are dancers. These are acrobats. These are stilt walkers. These are magicians. These are actors. These are storytellers, and it, it really creates a very unique atmosphere that people talk about. And you know that is a ticketed event, but if you can incorporate that into your your restaurant during the the haunt season, uh all the better. It will benefit you. It will indeed benefit you. Another, and this is sort of a catch-all. If you have a space, whatever that space may be, whether it's a, an unused banquet room or it's um, a, a part of a part of the stock room, um, I can remember, you know, retail became a huge part of the the Halloween event at Bush Gardens in Tampa uh, when I was there. Uh, it was one year that we had 13 different styles of t-shirt uh, not to mention a bunch of other kinds of of souvenirs, and in fact, it had a dedicated store to Hella Scream, and it became so popular that they actually even cleared out one of their um, uh, their storage rooms in the store and made it sort of a a velvet rope experience that was um, more exclusive stuff. Um, so they 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 took the idea of retailtainment to the nth degree. So, so don't let those empty spaces go to waste. And one of the ideas that I have seen a few people doing, and actually I'm participating in a couple, um, is to try to do a curated spooky art show. I know that sounds bizarre, but it's not my idea. I'm, I'm, I'm actually part of two different spooky art shows that are very, very different in nature. Uh, one of them is into the fog, which is in California at Knott's Bray farm, um, into the Fog is a fan art show for Halloween Haunt, which is, of course, Knott's, Knott's Farm's Farm's uh, haunted attraction. But it is a, a, a separate juried art show. And I have a piece in it this year. Um, as a painter, I love these kinds of things. So I have, I have a piece in that show this year. They use it as a way to, uh, generate additional interest. It also helps promote the event during the day. Um, it, they create a beautiful art gallery for all of the, uh, the art stuff. And, uh, and super fans can buy the original art or even um, prints of the art as well. So, um, so that is a way that they have taken, uh, they're using the art show as a promotional tool for the haunted attraction itself. Another one that is happening here in St. Petersburg, Florida, um, just just across the bay from Tampa, uh, is a, is at a an art gallery or a uh, it's an art gallery slash performance space I guess called the Studio at 620, and they're having a, a Halloween event called Hauntazar, and Hauntazar is a Halloween arts and crafts festival. It's one day, and again curated. You have to you have to submit um, your stuff so that it's not just anybody can get in there. And it's a bunch of tables about of people making and selling creepy stuff. So I use it as a way to um, get as much of my art because it's it's not a gallery setting for that day. It's it's all it's all there on the tables. So I've got art upon art upon art upon art. And uh, and I find that for me, uh, what sells are either the grab and go uh, limited edition prints, which are, you know, very inexpensive to or the other end of the spectrum, the great large pieces, the masterworks. Those are the pieces that that seem to sell or see it last time I did, it seemed to sell. Um, so I've got that coming up also in October. Uh, and so these are great examples of how people who have open space uh, can utilize it to create a juried art show that has a Halloween vibe, draws people in. And, you know, say, for example, let's go back to our restaurant example. Say, for example, you're a restaurant. You have a banquet room that you're not going to use the month of October or on three nights in October. Um, do a curated art show. And that way people either before or after dinner can go and wander through, have a, a spooky art experience. Um, and then the the artists there can can sell their work and you can either um, you can either take a commission or you can have them pay up front to to display their work. Um, you, if it's two or three nights, you can have the artists actually there to meet the guests and hand sign pieces uh it's there it's just it's just an opportunity and hopefully it'll spark even more opportunities because let's face it that's really that's really the point of my uh of, of my podcast is i don't have all the answers i don't pretend to have all the answers and sometimes you know there are people out there who will disagree and think my answers are just plain old wrong which is fine as long as it keeps people talking about possible solutions You know, the ideas that I've come up with here hopefully will spark new ideas in all of you listening. Um, if you are a haunter, this I've realized and I stated at the beginning, if you are a haunter and you're a listener, this was probably outside of really your, I can directly, uh, implement that. However, I will say, if you know anybody who is in your neighborhood, in your market that is a retailer or a zoo or a, an aquarium or a restaurant or an art gallery or a bookstore or whatever. And you can use some of the ideas that we talked about or suggest some of the ideas that we talked about and kind of partner with them to create experiences that don't cost a ton of money and yet still help promote both businesses. You're creating those win-wins during the holiday season or during the Halloween season. Halloween's a holiday Uh, during the, the Halloween holiday season. And, uh, it's it's a win-win scenario and you you know how much i love those so go ahead and and go and visit and say hey you know what i've got 15 ghoulish monsters that would love to show up at at your bookstore for your uh late night ghost story reading um and all we would like to do is be able to pass out flyers and posters and and you can promote us being there to draw in people uh, it's to me it's a win-win so Try it. See if it works. And if anybody out there is doing an art show, please contact me because I would I'd love to throw a piece in the in the ring for it. I I've got gobs. T- too many, actually. That's that's why I'm doing Hauntazar. Hauntazar is kind of like my I want to get this stuff cleaned out of my house so I can paint more. It's it's that overwhelming. So, like I said at the beginning of this show, this is all about things that have ins- that I've been inspired by because of my appearances and the projects that I'm working on. Um, I do have some upcoming appearances uh now through the end of the year where I will be either just there or or presenting um this is going to be my very first year at the Aza conference in, and this year it's in Baltimore and uh, that is the uh that is August 29th through the first so um I will be there I will be in Baltimore I will be hanging out with some of my friends at a uh another production company but I will also be there representing myself. So if you are a zoo or or an aquarium and you're looking for some haunt help, um you can either reach out to me, uh s.swenson at ScottSwenson.com, or I'll see you at AZA. Or maybe even both. That would be great. Um, I'm also doing a uh, a storytelling, an immersive storytelling panel at the themed entertainment association's SATE in Las Vegas. Um and that is uh when is that october 12th through the 15th um my panel discussion is called uh uh, casting the crowd and it's all about what we briefly touched on earlier and that is giving guests the uh the sense that they are viable characters within the overarching storyline that they can participate and when they participate it changes the overall outcome Uh, whether that is true or imagined uh is really immaterial as long as the guests believe it. So, um, but I'm doing, I'm doing a a panel discussion on that. And then I will also be at the international association of amusement parks and attractions, expo IAPA expo in Orlando. And that is coming up uh, November 14th through the 18th. And I'll be doing uh, uh, both a panel and a solo presentation. And my solo presentation is called the right boo for you. And it's all about Helping organizations find a Halloween event that is on brand and utilizes your assets. And I always say ask yourself, what can we do that nobody else can do? And sometimes you need an outside eye to, to recognize that and help you foster it. So, um, if you're, if you're going to attend any of those conventions, whether it's the AZA conference, the TEA state or the, um, IAPA expo, please stop by, say hi. Um, if you would like to know more and you didn't get a chance to write all this stuff down, that's totally fine. You should be subscribers to my newsletter. Hint, hint, hint. Um, because if you are subscribers to my newsletter, you'll get an, uh, sort of a an update each month on all of the stuff that I'm working on, all the projects that I'm working on. There's always some sort of uh, members-only benefit, whether it's a, a special movie uh, that's a behind-the-scenes look at one of my clients' stuff, or uh, I've done... Extra episodes of a Scott in the Dark just for members. Uh, I've I've even done printable things. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of stuff that I will do just for the fun of it to keep my to keep my members uh, my valued uh, n- uh, newsletter members active and interested. So um, it's real easy to sign up for. I do not sell your information, and you only hear from me once, maybe twice a month if I have something really important or I screw something up. So you might hear from me a second time saying, oops, what I meant to say was this, okay? Uh, but all you have to do is go to scottswenson.com and on the landing page, right under my picture, you can click and you can join the newsletter. All right, so that is this episode of A Scott in the Dark and it's all about uh, haunting non-traditional spaces. I hope you found it interesting. And if you if this doesn't apply directly to you, I hope that you share it with somebody that you know who might be able to benefit from this information. Until next time. This is Scott Swenson saying rest in peace.
0: Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant.